What you are about to hear is a selection from a new episode of D&D Book Club available only to Patreon subscribers. If you like what you hear and you're interested in subscribing, just click the link in the show notes. You can view the episodes available to premium subscribers at no charge. If you want to listen yourself, it's only $5 a month to become a patron. Also, I have a special announcement. I'm going to be running a live stream actual play on Twitch next month, so I'd appreciate it if all my listeners would follow me at twitch.tv slash J. Again, the link will be in the show notes. And now, please enjoy a sample from my deep dive into the Soul Forge by Margaret Weiss. The Soul Forge is the story of the early life of Raceland Majir before he became the wizard we meet in Dragons of Autumn Twilight. His childhood and education, his adolescence and the loss of his parents, his early travels with the original companions, his complicated relationships with his twin brother Karaman and half-sister Kidiara Uthmatar, and of course the one event that shapes Raceland's life more than any other, his test at the Tower of High Sorcery. Now, the Soul Forge isn't the first attempt to explore Raceland's early life. The collection of novels called The Meeting Sextet covers much of the same ground, at least in terms of chronology. And The Soul Forge isn't even Margaret Weiss's first attempt to tell the story of Raceland's test. Her short story in the collection The Magic of Crin, confusingly titled The Test of the Twins, tells the story as well. Despite these other sources, I and many other Dragonlance readers consider The Soul Forge to be canon and anything which contradicts it to be less so. That doesn't mean that the events of, say, Kindred Spirits by Mark Anthony and Ellen Porath didn't happen, just that we must defer to the Soul Forge whenever there's a contradiction. Before I dive into the story, I want to mention the foreword by Tracy Hickman and the introduction by Margaret herself. Tracy tells the story of the first Dragonlance game ever played, when game designer Terry Phillips took on the role of Raceland and created the voice and the attitude which would come to define the character. Side note, Terry Phillips actually wrote an adventure called The Soul Forge, from which this novel takes its title. The adventure was written for Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st Edition, and the story focuses on Raceland and Caramon's journey to the Tower of High Sorcery. Tracy then goes on to say that, despite the collaborative storytelling at the heart of Dragonlance, Raceland was always Margaret's baby. In the introduction to the novel which follows, Margaret Weiss herself describes how she first received Raceland as a stat block with just a few notes. She knew he was a mage, that he had a twin brother, was described as the sly one, and that he had gold skin and hourglass eyes. Why was his skin gold and why were his pupils shaped like hourglasses? Because the art department thought it would look cool. But it was up to Margaret to flesh out this character and breathe life into him, explain who he was and why he was the way he was. In time, he would become her favorite among all the many characters she's created. I think this novel is the culmination of the time and energy she poured into making this selfish, misunderstood, brilliant young man into one of the greatest characters in Dungeons & Dragons history. But that is enough introduction. Let's dive into The Soul Forge by Margaret Weiss. The Soul Forge begins, like so many other Dragonlance novels, in the town of Solace, about 20 years before the War of the Lance. A white-robed wizard in late Middle Age is traveling incognito and stops at the inn of the last home to enjoy a mug of ale. 
The wizard, named Antimides, has been traveling the countryside at the behest of Parsalian, leader of the Order of White Robes, seeking out promising young talent. That promising young talent finds him in a roundabout way when a teenage girl dressed like a boy approaches him in the inn. Despite Antimides' attempts to conceal his identity, she has correctly guessed that Antimides is a wizard. She brings her two younger half-brothers to meet him. The bigger of the two boys is friendly and boisterous, but his sister quickly hushes him. The other boy is small and quiet. Both appear neglected by whoever is supposed to care for them. Antimides asks the smaller boy, the one the girl wants him to meet, what his name is, and he answers, Fraislin. And then the sister, Kittyara, takes the other brother, Caramon, away so Antimides can speak to Raislin privately. Antimides can already sense a confidence and intelligence in the boy, even at the age of six. Antimides also senses something else, the presence of Solinari, the god of white magic. There must be something truly special about little Raislin. He asks the boy about his mother and learns that she is prone to having visions, which most people disregard as hallucinations, but Antimides recognizes as a mystical second sight. Such power is often passed along to children. Antimides tells Raislin that there is a school for aspiring young mages not far from Solace, and, although it's expensive, Raislin will likely be eligible for a scholarship. In truth, Antimides will be paying for Raislin's tuition out of his own pocket. Antimides then arranges to speak to Raislin's father that night, but before they separate, Raislin asks him if it's true that all magic users must undergo a test to become a true wizard, and that those who fail this test die. Antimides informs him that, yes, this is true, and it's necessary to weed out the unworthy, but Raislin need not worry about that. He won't have to take the test for a long, long time. The Magir household is not a happy one. Rosamund Magir came to Solace from Palanthus with her husband Gregor Uthmatar, a dashing and reckless rogue who claimed to be a knight of Salamia, which Rosamund certainly believed, even if no one else did. The two had a daughter, Kitiara. Gregor left his wife and daughter on a supposedly routine trip to Salamnia and never returned. After seven years, he was considered legally dead. Rosamund remarried a simple woodcutter named Gillen, and together they had twin boys, Caramon and Raislin. At his birth, Raislin was so sick that the midwife pronounced he would not survive. Rosamund, never very physically or mentally fit, was unable to care for him. But Kitiara, herself still a child, took it upon herself to coax him through his illness, and he survived against all odds. The Magir family is also desperately poor. Gillen barely makes enough money cutting wood to support his wife and three children. Rosamund is very fragile and prone to mysterious episodes in which her mind seems to leave her body and travel somewhere very far away. Kittyara despises her mother and stepfather, but she does what she can to take care of her little brothers. Caramon, of course, is easy. He likes sword fighting and war games, just like her. He wants to be a soldier when he grows up, just like her. But Raislin is different. Raislin is peculiar and too smart for his own good. But Kittyara took Raislin's life into her hands as a personal challenge when she was just a little girl, and she never backs down from a challenge. Raislin is enrolled in a magic school run by a wizard named Master Theobald, a second-rate wizard and a third-rate teacher with a first-rate opinion of himself. On his first day of school, it's Kittyara, not their mother, who insists Raislin wear shoes and washes his face before he departs. While the school isn't very far, it's too far for a young boy to travel back and forth each day, so Raislin will have to board there. Caramon escorts Raislin there for his first day, and Raislin attempts to explain to his brother that magic is a weapon, 
just like a sword, but rather than something he carries in his hand, it's a part of him. And just as a sword is forged and sharpened, his magic must be forged and sharpened as well. As it so happens, the boys meet a farmer who travels the road each day, and he offers to give Raceland rides to and from school, at least in the warmer months, in exchange for Caramon doing chores on his farm. The boys agree, Caramon eagerly, Raceland reluctantly. One suspects that he was looking forward to time apart from his overbearing twin and their stressful home life. The following morning, when the boys wake up, they find that Kitiara is gone. Now that the boys are old enough to take care of themselves, she's decided to leave Solace and seek her fortune. Raceland's first days at school go about as well as you'd expect for a nerdy introvert like him. The other boys tease him and pull pranks on him, which results in Raceland being beaten by Master Theobald when he refuses to admit what really happened. Antimides visits the school on some pretense, but he's really there to monitor Raceland's progress. The two speak privately, and Antimides isn't quite sure what to make of Raceland. He clearly has the makings of a great wizard, but there's something just off about him. He's too serious, too mature, and beyond that, there's a coldness in Raceland that Antimides finds deeply unsettling. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of The Soul Forge by Margaret Weiss. If you want to hear the complete episode, as well as more bonus episodes, become a Patreon subscriber for just $5 a month by clicking the link in the show notes. And if you're interested in my other podcast projects, including Death Zone and the Dragonlance Canticle, you can find those links in the show notes too, as well as links to my original content on the DMs Guild, including six brand new subclasses absolutely free. And don't forget my upcoming live stream actual play on twitch.tv slash Thank you for listening, and I'll see you again soon.